Family. Hey, this is Nomad, host and creator of the Career Musician Podcast. Why do they call me Nomad? Well, I traveled the globe, spreading the joy of music one song at a time. And now I bring you wisdom, tried and true knowledge, and life experiences of my colleagues and peers in this crazy business we call music. Number one funketeer, Philip Lasseter, on today's episode of the Career Musician Podcast by yours truly, Nomad. Check him out. This is the Career Musician Podcast with your host, Nomad. What I love most about Filthy is that he's so funky, he stanks when he walks. <laughs> but the truth is, man, this dude really knows his stuff. He understands music theory to the fullest. He knows how to orchestrate, arrange, write, compose, and do everything else in between. In addition, he's a hell of a trumpet player and keyboard player. Who knew? And he can sing. I mean, he's got it all. But I love his story of meeting and auditioning for Prince. It's amazing. If you want to hear how Philip Filthy Lassiter got the gig with Prince, then you must Listen further, but let's talk a little bit about what he's accomplished aside from being Prince's horn section leader and trumpeter. Tommy Sims, My Morning Jacket, Kelly Rowland, Ariana Grande, Fantasia, Johnny Lang, Mays, Kirk Franklin, the list goes on. This instrument is so inspiring, man. I'm like, as soon as I set it up and I started playing it, I wrote a song. <laughs> so how did you get started? What was the, you know, the impetus that drove you to this crazy world? Well, I grew up in a, like a Pentecostal preacher's, um, as, a, as a Pentecostal preacher's kid. And so uh, my, my exposure to music early on was what we had at our church. And my parents were pretty guarded on what I could listen to outside of that. So I listened to a lot of Christian music. Um, and whatever I heard, like, that I remember now, secular music, quote-unquote, mm. mm. was, like, at the skate rink or at the mall or at a friend's house. Speaking of Queen, the first time I heard them, I didn't know it was them until 20 years later, wow. was uh, I heard another one bites the dust. My next-door neighbor played out. must have been six, and uh, it scared the crap out of me. And, um, and then I heard a uh, Thriller. Like when it was released, and yeah. but I, you know, I grew up listening to like Southern Gospel and like really square, like. But some my 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 parents loved music, and my dad would have different groups come through, um, and occasionally like a black group would come through, and okay. and that would like my ears would perk up like crazy, right. and then uh, I got into jazz, listening to jazz, pretty early. And a guy, um, one of my dad's friends, he was like an old older guy uh, he would dance to big bands basically oh, so wow. he made all these recordings cassette recordings of his uh, his vinyl for me and would just send it to me and uh, I would wear it out so you're studying that mm-hmm it was like wow. uh, Benny Goodman and, and all these great yeah. like Tommy Dorsey yeah Dorsey Count Basie um, mm-hmm all of that and uh, and so that shaped me and then you know in high school, I started getting more exposed to stuff. I was playing in jazz band at school. I was playing in concert band. I was um, doing a variety of things and playing at church, man. And playing at church, I would, I would play by ear because we didn't really have an orchestra. Or we had an old lady that would, you know, she was an all-ear stride pianist, and she would, like, make me pull my horn out and play. So I was going to say, when you're in church, were you playing piano or horn? Trumpet. Trumpet. So what got you on trumpet? Trumpet was like, uh, I, I wanted to play a wind instrument in band, and I tried a bunch of different ones out. My first year, I played baritone, but it was too big. It was too mm -hmm. big for me to carry home in practice. Mm -hmm. I loved playing it, um, but it was just too, it was as big as I was. So mm -hmm. I, got, I got into trumpet, and one of my friends at church played trumpet, and I tried his, and I was like, oh, this is kind of like baritone, but I can carry it. So nice. <laughs> that's how I went to trumpet. And uh, piano was like, I started actually piano lessons 
really early, like before trumpet, and, and I wanted to quit. I hated it, and my mom wouldn't let me quit. So I Aren't had you to, grateful now? Oh, yeah, of course. She said I always would be. Yeah, that's right. And I, and I am, of she course. She was right. I kept playing, uh, and that was the most important thing, and just studying it and learning harmony. You know harmony. Uh, it's right. really important as a composer and arranger to, right. to, uh, to know some harmony. And uh, Harmony is the foundation of all, right? I mean, without yeah. it, it's kind of like... Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So that's a beautiful beginning, bro. Yeah. All right. So, so then you're in the church. You're playing trumpet. You're in school. You're playing. You're getting exposure on both instruments. What was the next step? Like, how did you make your uh, entry into the professional career musician world? Man, I had no idea I would ever be doing any of that. Uh, I thought I would be like a, a, a music director at a church somewhere. I really okay. didn't know where I would, could see my myself. I, I grew up so, so sheltered that um, mm. I my parents were they they encouraged me to do whatever I wanted to do, you know. And they were cool about playing jazz music and playing, and rock bands and doing things that I did. Um, so they they didn't stifle any of that. But I think it was just the the limited view that I had of myself and and of my and just the way I grew up and everything it was so sheltered and so you know kind of. Uh, held back and in, in socially and, and things like that. So I think um, it took me. A, I was a late bloomer, as my mom would say. <laughs> okay. And uh, but you know, I, I didn't hear it when it fire until I was like in my twenties. I was on the road with the first band I was on the road with. You know, that's when I heard. I was, I was just getting into Tower of Power and all that. And in your late teens, early twenties, that had to blow you away when you first. Oh started yeah, these yeah, bands. definitely, definitely. And uh, I was mostly listening to jazz, like when I was a kid. But it wasn't—I wasn't listening to like super heavy jazz. I was listening to like blues-oriented stuff. It was like I, I, the heaviest. I would listen to Freddie Hubbard. I would listen to a lot of trumpet players, obviously, Dizzy sure. Gillespie. But I was always—I always gravitated towards the the blues. You know, I love Lee Morgan and oh. I love Roy Hargrove and all yes. that kind of stuff. And so funk was something I got into. I also got into salsa. I. In college, I went to a Bible college and studied music, actually. A college of about 1,500 students. Where was at, this? In Lakeland, Florida. Wow. And I, I joined a salsa band, and me and my buddy, we were the two gringos. We were the trumpet section. And the rest of the band was Puerto Rican and Dominican. And so I learned to play salsa music on piano and trumpet. And that was really a big, a big one for me. And uh, I was I, I got my first little touring gag making fifty dollars a week playing with a Christian band called Truth. It was really more about the experience than it was about the money. Obviously, That's right. fifty That's bucks right. a week, and I would buy uh, CDs with that money and, sure. and listen to music on the bus. Sure. And yeah. um, and it was a really 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 good group. The music you know was incredibly cheesy, but the uh, the group was incredibly good. A lot of those musicians have gone on to do, you know, a lot of studio work and stuff. Right. And um, and I did that for like seven months. And uh, then I went and got my master's in Oklahoma. My parents were living there. And I got my master's in jazz from a performance. And I was doing a lot of writing and arranging. And then I got my first gig in Dallas, Texas. And I was, I was doing, I was a music director at a church, just like I thought I'd be doing. And uh, it was a great, it was actually, it was a really great opportunity because I got to uh, to plant my feet in Dallas, and I I started meeting locals, and I started recording in local studios, just doing my own stuff, you know, experimenting and stuff. And I would put horns on it, and everybody would be talking about the horns, and like that they were next level. And and then the next thing I knew, I got my first gospel album, which was Ted and Sherry, produced by Myron Butler of God's Property, Kirk Franklin. Wow. So it was that whole crew there, and um, and then from there, next thing I know, I'm I'm meeting Kirk Franklin, who I'm huge. I'm a I'm a Christian kid, you know. Yeah. When Kirk Franklin hit, that was like the hippest thing I had ever heard. That's right. And so I I, I was like such a huge fan, and now all of a sudden I'm working on a Kirk Franklin record, and uh, from there the records just kept coming, and I moved. I left Dallas after being there for eight and a half years, and uh, all my all my uh, biggest influences. And that time in my life was the biggest time of growth. I think I was when I really found the sounds that I was I was always kind of searching for in my head. Mm. It was when I was in Dallas and I was around all these really Afrocentric 
incredible musicians like Bernard Wright and Bobby Sparks and Robert Sputzy Wright. Love those guys. Keith Anderson, the saxophone yeah. player. Jason Thomas, the drummer. Mark Letiri was 20. Yeah. Mike League was 20 when I met him. And they were still in <laughs> Snarky Puppy. And he, they were all still at North Texas. Right. Yeah. And I hired them to come play at my church. Look at and, that. And yeah, Mike League. And he, he <clears throat> my church band was Mike League, Chris McQueen, who's one of the guitar players in Snarky, Bernard Wright. And uh, and another drummer from Dallas, Tim Macon, and so uh, yeah, it was it was really crazy. Dallas had quite a scene. It has a has quite. I a mean, scene it still for, does. For yeah. players, it's just you know the live thing isn't um, isn't always happening. It's kind of hit or miss, like a lot of cities. Most cities, yeah. you know. Uh, but it, this I would seen in Dallas, not so much, but definitely scenes and different pockets and musicians. Okay. Definitely, uh, I think that's the yeah. It's like it's up in Chicago. Same thing. It's in the water. We said right. Mm. You know, some about it just breeds like these world class. Incredible man, and so I left there. And I moved to Nashville, and I lived in Jeff Coffin's basement. That's another one we were talking about, yes. I met Future Man at a jam session, like, my second night in Nashville. He came up right. to me and, like, introduced himself to me. We became friends instantly. Love and he introduced me to Jeff Coffin. And Jeff Coffin was like, oh, you just moved to town. If you're looking for a place to stay, I'm looking for somebody to live in my basement and uh, house sit for me when I'm out of town, which is pretty much all the time. And I went over to his place, and we hung out, and the next thing I knew, I, I moved in, and I lived with him. We lived together like three, three and a half years, uh, right before he got married to Lilioko, and right as he got the Dave Matthews Band gig. That's beautiful. <laughs> and I, I remember when he got the call, it was crazy, and um, and so I wrote many songs on his Wurlitzer. Uh, he had a Wurlitzer, he had an upright piano from like the 30s, and... Uh, we had a lot of a lot of instruments in the house. It I'm was sure. cool, man. We would do jam sessions in the basement, and we would do writing sessions. And he would just be upstairs practicing to a click on flute, playing giant steps lines to a click, just just click and flute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Being around that, I would just sit. He's, I would yeah. sit at the bottom of the stairs and just listen. And just yeah. trip out. The guy was the way he weaves, yeah. bobs and weaves his lines are incredible. I love Jeff, and, and Nashville was great, man. You know, uh, I just it, I needed time to decompress. I was there like three and a half years, and I moved to New York. Then I lived in New York for two years, and I was uh, living in a small apartment in Brooklyn, a five story walk up mm -hmm. with uneven floor, <laughs> and um, I was broke, and I'd been working in and just playing on gospel records for like. I don't know, 10 years or so. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I got a call. Do you want to audition for Prince? And boom, there it was. And uh, I picked myself off the floor. And then I went through this rigorous process of auditioning for him six months. Are you serious? Of auditioning. Please elaborate. If, well, as much as you can. Yeah, no. Without I can't, divulging well, it. You know, yeah. he, he was <laughs> super nice, man. God he was super nice to me. So what was the six-month audition process like? You know, it was just he wasn't ready to have us, but but he was just sending me stuff to to work on and to to. I, I first thing I did was I sent him a video. Had he loved it, and he said, "Make a video of you and you guys doing this arrangement." It was um, uh, extra lovable. A song called Extra Lovable. Okay, so to clarify, you put the horn section together for his band. Yeah. And you were the section leader, right? Exactly. Okay. And what actually happened too was um, there were two horn sections that auditioned. Okay. And he said, I like them both. Can I have them all? And they were like, well, you, you can do whatever you want, man. Prince. You know? <laughs> and so he's like, yeah, I want all of them. So there was 11 of us. And I brought one horn section, and my buddy Adrian Crutchfield brought the other. And we combined the whole thing, and Adrian and I, and I led it. And I did the, I handled like the, the musical side of it because I was writing arrangements and stuff, and he handled yeah. the logistical side of it. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, it was great. Um, Prince was sending me songs to arrange and record to and okay. it, I remember one of the songs took me like two weeks to do because I was just you know I was spending so much time on it trying to you know impress this guy wow. and he was impressed and we, one of the things I did was Days of Wild the song Days of Wild we, I did a whole arrangement to a live this wasn't going on a record this was just merely just to to please, to please the prince, man, you know, just for him to demos in your apartment. I'm just curious. He's just like, I'm just curious what you would do on this. Well, we wound up playing those arrangements live, but as far as the recordings go, it was, uh, I w it was just for him, you know. Wow. Yeah, I was just recording them in my apartment and then putting other horns on it, and 
flying files around and making it. And then, and then uh, after so much time, and I hadn't been paid for anything, you know. After so much of this, uh, all of a sudden I got an email and it said, um, here's some more homework for you. And it was like three more songs. And so I picked up the phone and I called the MD and I was, I was before I could even get the words out, yeah. she was like, Phil, stop. I already know what you're going to say. <laughs> I was like, what am I going to say? She was like, you want to know what's up? And I was like, well, yeah, you know, I do Musician this. code for where's the bread, baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do this for a living, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, as fun as it is and as much as I want to do it, Yeah. what's the deal? So she said, well, hold up, he's standing right here. I'll, I'll call you back right back. Okay. So 10 minutes later, I get a call back from her, and it's 10.30 at night. Sure. And, um, and uh, she says, hey, Phil, can you come in tomorrow? I'm like, What? She's like, can you be here tomorrow? I told him that you wanted to know what was up. And he responded by saying, just get him here. <laughs> and so he wants oh, nice. to know if you can fly in in the morning. Yeah. And he wants you to know, you know, what's up. He, he's like, he's, he's going he's gonna to break it down for you. Okay. And so he flew me out there. And a car a limo came and picked me up. I went to the airport. And I flew first class for the first time in my life. <laughs> and then I got it, I picked up by another limo in Minneapolis and I went to Paisley and I walk in and uh, I walk through some velvet velvety curtains I'm in the hallway and then this dude pops out I can't, it's so dark I can't really is it him maybe it is I don't know until he's like up on me yeah. and he goes Phil Prince shakes my head and he goes I really love what you, what you did on Days of Wild and then he smiled and he's like follow me and turns around and struts off before I can even be like, thank you. It was an honor. Wow. <laughs> so I'm like, thank you. It was and he's an walking. Honor. <laughs> and I'm following him, and he's just like Curtis Mayfield, you know. <laughs> Making his way through his kingdom, cups, huh? The cups of his hands, you know, going <laughs> behind him. Yeah, he, he's dog paddling. That's the, awesome. So we, we go into the, the the foyer of this the lair, <laughs> the and it's like marble floor with the giant marble floor with the with the male symbol, you know murals everywhere. The sky the 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 ceiling's painted like like the blue sky with clouds, and there's I hear do, the sound of real doves <laughs> crying. <laughs> I see a piano shaped like spaceships. Wow. And uh, awards everywhere. Everyone's that awards like water. It's like, <laughs> and uh, and and then I we go to this spirally staircase and and I see this uh, girl emerge and she looks like she's about to walk on stage for like Live Aid and she's like it's Tuesday on at like three p.m. <laughs> you know they've been writing songs or something <laughs> and uh, and I and I walk up the staircase and and then I meet her and then he takes me to the. The, the, the conference room and, and he's like sit here and then we sit down and um, he sits at the head of the table and I sit you know right to the left of him and then I, I you know I just didn't say a dang word man like okay. I didn't say anything really? I was not there to talk and I was not there to impress him he's already impressed with the horn that he heard so I didn't want to say the wrong thing so I chose wow. to not say anything until it was time Please, uh, I want everybody to make note of that. That is called discernment. That's powerful. Because so many times we oversell ourselves yeah. or we think we have to sell ourselves when the client or the person we're working with is already sold. He already knows. And I didn't, people all the time, they're like, well, how'd you get that gig? <laughs> it was no getting the gig. You there kept was, your mouth shut. Yeah, it was no, I, I put in hard work for 10 years and then somebody rec recommended me to him. I was no, I could never have manifest. I mean, I did manifest right. it sure. in my own way, but I could have never gone out and made that happen. That's right. The biggest opportunities, usually we don't, you know, usually they don't, they're not things that we go out and just grab. Usually they come to us. And that's the sweetest way, that's too. Right. And so um, I'm sitting there. At and the conference table. At the conference table, <laughs> I'm not saying a damn word, and he's like, he just goes in like he like into a monologue, and I'm sitting there and listening. And I told myself before I got there on the plane, I was like, "Don't you say a word until it's time," and then say the. There's a great uh, quote in a book. Uh, I forget the name of it now, but the quote is, "Never say more than is necessary." 
And so I, I told myself that. I was preparing myself for that, and I did it. And I sat there, and I listened to him, and he said, my father used to talk to me about giant horn sections in the 70s. Not like a big band, but like a big soul band with like 10 horns. He's like, Phil, at this point in my career, I don't have anything that I feel like I necessarily have to say or need to say. He said, so if it's something, if I'm going to do something, it's got to be something that I'm just interested in. And to be honest with you, I just want to hear it. And I said, right on. <laughs> he said, right on. I said, right on. Soul brother number one, and right this is, on. This is, man, I said, right on. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. I smiled and I said right on and he goes without skipping a beat as soon as I said that it was like he reacted to what I said I said right on smile and he goes you'll be very happy with your compensation because we hadn't talked about money into this point and we still didn't talk about money and you know what? Oftentimes it's really best not to discuss money with talent. It's when, just, when you're dealing, it's, especially when you're dealing with that level. That's right. Um, you're dealing that's with right. a superstar. Don't ask. Right. You, right. You, what, what you do is you, you do the work, you spend the time, you get the experience. And when it comes time to talk turkey, mm-hmm. if the number isn't what you expected it to be, then you kindly say that let's and and we had to do that actually okay we had to at one point we had to put our foot down and and say but you know there's a tactful way to say that i said listen um we are honored to be here this is a dream come true the the you know to play this this man's music um you know and to be here at all is is just a royal honor um but <laughs> six days a week, 12 hour, 12 to 18 hour days, yeah. um, dancing and dressing up and dancing and playing our horns nonstop, horn on face. This is the hardest we've ever worked. And we're fine to put in the 120% that it takes, but we need to be paid accordingly. Okay. But at this point, you're talking to management. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. So no protocol. Understand protocol. Never would have so discussed it with right. him. That's but right. I was forewarned, you know, too. Right. Right. Like, right. don't talk about money to him. But, I, you know, I wouldn't do that um, with any kind of high-profile artist at this point. Now I know better. Right. But um, but it's okay. Like, and in fact, once you work your way in, a lot of times these... I can say this. A lot of times these big... You know these big uh, corporations, let's call them. They'll 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 get you in. These artists they'll get you in and spend a bunch of time with you, without ever discussing it, and you just roll with it and make yourself invaluable. Like they need you, and then they they think that by prolonging that that somehow that's going to benefit them because then you're invested, and then it's like no. If you step back and say, um, well, I love 
being here. I want to be here, but that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. No, they're invested in you. They don't want to lose the investment that they've given you. They're going to pay you whatever you ask for to a certain degree. Man, that's keeping the gig psychology 101. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's but sometimes brilliant. you got to yeah. you got to yeah. be able to compromise, but it's just that's a matter right. of like, you know, just just being smart about it. What are some of the principles and methods that you adhere to? Again, you've kind of already given us an insight into that. I used to do most of my negotiating like in email or on text or on on Facebook or this and that. Mm -hmm. But now what I've learned is it behooves me to get the person on the phone. That's right. Because um, before we even discuss money, and uh, usually, um, especially if if they're calling you, you want you never want to uh, yeah I don't know you don't want to undersell yourself but you don't want to overshoot either and scare them away that's right. so that's why it's important to get them on the phone and hear the sound of their voice if they say all the things that would make you think they don't have budget like I don't have budget and <laughs> and uh, this is coming out of my pocket my pocket well we're running tight this is things, very indie you know. Yeah. You know, and I just, well, then I put them in a certain bracket. It doesn't mean I don't work with them. Right. It just means that I know what I'm going in. So then I'm, I'm going to say, okay, well, here's the deal. Right. I can I can give you the, the lowest rate, da, 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 da. Sure. And um, you're going to get this. There's not going to be any revisions. That's right. You know, it's going to be what it is. It's, you're going to love it. But right. um, I'm going to I'm gonna kill it. But, but, but there's not going to be any complaining. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. You know, uh, and and it can't be longer than five minutes, and all these. You know, you gotta right. set it's up your the, boundaries. The two out of three principle, right? Good, fast, yeah. and cheap. You can only get two of them. Exactly. Not all three of them. <laughs> exactly. And then yeah. sometimes, man, if they're like, "Well, I can't even give do do your lowest budget. I can only do one hundred fifty dollars." Then you can say, "Okay, um, well, that's not gonna work." Or or you can say this: "Send me the song." Let me let me listen to Check it, because you you know you might hear it and go, oh my god, I can do this in an hour. So 150 bucks an hour no, is so bad. Not so bad. Yeah, you know, so you just want to, especially in this day and age, you want to be open minded, and try to try to work with people, you know. But then you you gotta recognize when they call you and they're like, yeah, I'm so and so, I produce this and this and that and this and that, and I'm working on this project. Well, it's an independent project, but um, you know, just wanted to check your rates and see what you want okay well all right so you're somebody right right and uh it's an independent project but they probably got money because you haven't said it's coming out of my pocket or anything like that you're it's not your money right. it's their money opm so you don't really care you, you know what i'm saying that's so, right that's okay right. now let's now let's talk okay well so you hit them high well my normal indie rate my is, normal rate is such my indie rate is $850 yes. yes well now we've got somewhere to go right so now if I go all the way down to five or four right I'm still getting a decent a decent little amount for a song depending on how long and how complicated it is listen my up and coming generation of career musicians listen to these words these are wise do not undersell yourself learn how to negotiate it truly is an art form there are times where what I do is I have like a whole catalog and anytime anybody hires me for anything like I said I get them on the phone so I I put their their name in my phone I put their contact in my phone and under their last name or beside their last name client right there you go so then whenever I get in a pinch you know and I need to make some quick money I just start hitting up everybody in my phone that says client that's a client and I hit them up and say, this week only, um, doing a special deal for horns. Um, I've only got seven slots open, seven days in a week. I only do one song a day. So um, seven slots, grab them while they're hot. You know, and they just... This, this is brilliant, They man. pour in, man. See, look at this. So that, that principle remains the same, that you got out of sight, out of mind. So the yeah. principle is you have to let people know that yeah. you're there. Yeah. But the method that you're applying is extremely creative, bro. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. You got to love that. Yeah, you know, and I got I can't pull that car out uh, once a month, but Right, 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 right. But you know, when it, when I need to or if I'm if I'm just like uh, if everything slows down or how much going on, yeah. and I just want to generate some work, it works. Now there's something else you said 
I never negotiate via text or Facebook, instant messenger or direct messages mm -hmm. on any app. Mm -hmm. I always hated that. I usually do the voice, the phone call negotiations, mm -hmm. if it's not face-to-face, -face, right? And then follow up with an email so you have some kind of paper. Try right, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So again, these are principles that are tried and true. I do realize that modern society is shifting to mobile and right everything is a mobile device mm -hmm. and there's a lot of DMing direct messages messaging going on I understand the technology grows but try to keep true to some of these you know tried and true principles right absolutely you know it's good to also it's good to form a real relationships with your clients that's right you know it's they they'll be more uh, loyal to you when you uh, when you know them as people and they want to know you they're fans of you that's why they're calling that's it you know, right. so well, th this is brilliant. So you already laid out a nice chunk of your resume with Kirk Franklin and Prince. Uh, any other notables that you'd like to discuss? I know your resume is a mile long. Well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this. Um, a few years ago, my buddy, we mentioned him earlier from Dallas, Robert Seawright. We call him Sput. Yeah. He was the original drummer in Snarky Puppy, and he played a lot with uh, Erica Badu and Snoop Dogg. Now he has a group called Ghost Note. Sput told me one day, um, Phil, do you write string arrangements? No. You should write string arrangements. Really? Yeah, you'd be really good at it. I'm like, oh man, that scares me. I don't know much about strings. Man, just do it. You gotta love that advice. So somebody called me, hey, uh, I got songs I need strings on. Do you do string arrangements? I'm like, yeah, I do string arrangements. So I did like a string arrangement. The next gig I got was Roberta Flack. Bam. And I did two songs for Roberta Flack, and um, it was for her Beatles record. Look at that. Um, and we did uh, wow. The Long and Windy Road. Oh, yeah. Man. Long and Winding Road. By doing that, my whole point with that was, was stretch yourself, push yourself. Yeah. Be as versatile as you can. I mean, if you're an arranger and you can arrange for strings... Get good at arranging for horns, which most string arrangers can't. Mm -hmm. Most people can't arrange for horns. Let's just face it. I'm biased. <laughs> but it's two different worlds. It really is. It's two is. different worlds. It's truly and distinct. So, you know, really don't be afraid because the thing is that that bag has saved my butt so many mm -hmm. times. Like when I needed money and no one was calling for horns and somebody called for strings. You're there. Boom. Or records that I've gotten horns and strings on. I just did strings... Two songs for the new Tori Kelly record that just dropped that Kirk Franklin produced. Beautiful, it's incredible records. Nice. And that was it was great. It was a great experience. It was great music, and it was a great paycheck. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would have lost thou or would have never made thousands of dollars if it mm -hmm. weren't for strings. That's right. The string arranging that I do. Yeah, and I'm not the greatest string arranger, but. Um, a lot of people like my ideas and the taste that I have. You know, there are guys that can write circles around me, yeah. but I know what not to do and yeah. what needs to be done. And so, you know, and it's something that I continue to grow in. Just like, you know, playing keys or singing or trying to write songs and whatever, you know. It's like, try to be, you definitely want to have something that you specialize in. That you're like, okay, I'm really good, stinking good at this. But you also want to have a bunch of things that, um, that you're you're good at maybe uh, mm -hmm. above above average, mm -hmm. you know. Master of one versatility and many, perhaps right. Yes, <laughs> versatile and many. Master yeah. in one, versatile and <laughs> many. Yeah. Yes. Drummers. So you're watching an amazing drummer on YouTube and they're playing something so crazy you just can't figure it out. If only you can tap this drummer on the shoulder and say, hey, can you slow it down and break it down for me, man? PossibleChops.com does exactly that. They've asked some of the top of the line drummers to play in short, digestible phrases some of their craziest chops. Then they slow it down and transcribe it so you can actually learn what the heck they're doing. They're making chops possible. Now, PossibleChops.com is an online drum lesson website that makes it easy to add to your drumming vocabulary from some of the baddest professional drummers. And when I say baddest, 
I mean the dopest, illest, most ridiculousest drummers you ever heard. Imagine getting a breakdown from drummers who played with the likes of Usher, Earth, Wind & Fire, Chick Corea, Babyface, Sheryl Crow, Tony Braxton, and the list goes on. The PossibleChops.com community is designed to allow drummers to share ideas and help you on your path to becoming a pro and getting gigs. That's right, folks, actually getting real gigs. If you're serious about drumming, do yourself a favor and visit PossibleChops.com. Join today and basic membership is free. However, if you decide to upgrade to a pro membership, use the promo code NOMAD to get your first free month. That's right, folks. Use coupon code NOMAD and you get the whole first month absolutely free. Adding new chops are now made possible for drummers on PossibleChops.com. Follow The Career Musician on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on the latest news and get tips from the world's leading musicians. When do you know to be the side man, side person, side woman? And when do you know to step into the spotlight and speak on that from your own experience? How did you go from just arranging and playing horn for people to saying, you know what, no, no, no. I'm a band leader. I'm an artist. I'm filthy. Mm hmm Huh. Well, you know, I, I was living in Dallas, and I was doing horns for everybody. And, um, but my real passion has always been writing songs and producing. And I was writing all these songs, and... I was like, you know what? No one's gonna sing these songs. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna have to sing them myself. I know I'm not the greatest singer, but mm. I'm just, I just had this overwhelming desire to express myself as a singer-songwriter. Yeah. Even though I'm like really late to the game as a singer, yeah. I had no training or anything, and you know, no vocal control. But I just wanted to, I wanted to do it so bad. You said, I, just, we're brothers in yeah, that sense. I'm the yeah, same I just want to freaking sing my sing. songs. I don't you care. Know? <laughs> yeah, no, who cares if anybody wants to hear it, but I just yeah, want to sing my right. songs. And it makes you happy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I uh, I started playing little gigs around town, and, and uh, I put a little band together, and it was like Bernard Wright. <laughs> wow. And all these crazy, and Mike League would play with us, and... All the snarky puppy guys would play with me. Mark Letiri was my first guitar player in, wow. in Dallas when he was 20. Love Mark. He came and played with me and just freaked me out. And yeah. I was like, okay, dude. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that was how it started, man. I moved to Nashville. I did the same thing. And the band, you know, always, I'm a horn arranger. So then it's like, well, I should have horns in my band, I guess. I'm a horn arranger. Then it's, right. Everybody's going to be like, where are the horns, dude? Right, right, right. You know? Right, right, right. So uh, I moved to Nashville and I started the first Filthy band. That's when it became Filthy. So well, now you're cutting your teeth with Filthy in Nashville. 12-piece, 13-piece band, yeah. Your resume is already to the till. Made the album. All these, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You made the first Filthy album. Made the first Filthy album, moved to New York. Um, and while I was in New York, I was writing the second which is this album, Dreams. Love it. And um, I didn't finish it until um, all, uh, several years, several years before I finished it. Um, and it took, uh, yeah, it was um, Tommy Sims was on that one and mm. Jeff Coffin, mm. bunch of, a bunch of great cats. Um, Mike Stern is on that record. Oh, jeez. One of my favorite, like one of my guitar heroes. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 55 bar in New York, Christmas yeah, Street. Yeah, 55 bar, yeah. man. I went to, we went to his apartment and recorded him in his apartment. Really? It was so fun. I have video footage and stuff. That must have been a blast. Yeah, he was so good and such a nice dude. So and so, then, so you knew it was mm -hmm. in you. You had this artistic voice. You had yeah, a, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's I've been a little late, late, late bloomer as far yeah, as you know, I singing guess. live and all that. But I'm, I'm working on it. Um, you know, I think the key is just to be consistent. It's like with anything. If you want to be good at something, you gotta. You gotta be consistent, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, even like working out, I'm trying to work out more, and I'm like, not, right. I'm not a gym rat or anything. I'm not one to just like go hard. But I've noticed if I'll just do a little bit every day, mm -hmm. I I do feel 
a big difference. That's right. You know, and that's that's where it's at, and it makes me want to do do it more. It, it, it perpetuates itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's right. that's the key word for the career musician 2018. Mm-hmm. I chose that earlier mm-hmm. this year. Consistency, like mm-hmm. literally. Mm-hmm. So I love that you say that, and I truly believe that's the yeah. only way to get results in it. Like, let's say that you're a new budding singer, and the only time you sing is in the shower. If you do it every, you take a shower every month. At least I hope you, you do. <laughs> if you don't, I don't want to know you. I'm definitely not hiring you. We might be super funky. This should be a whole section, dude. Like super funny. Yeah. This should be a whole section of, of the career musician yes. hygiene. That's right. I did a clinic recently. I want to talk about it in Salt Lake City. Yeah. And I, and I walked up with my singer Elliot Yamin and our drummer Yaji Hemden. We walked yeah. on stage, and we didn't discuss what we were gonna do. The guys were there with me, and we were, they were like, "What are we gonna say?" I was like, "Ah, we'll figure it out." When we get yeah. Up there. yeah. So we get up there, and it's like this whole concert hall full. It's full of kids and we get up there and I, I decide I'm just you know it's quiet and it's weird and they're like who are these guys what are they going to be like and so I'm like I'm going to break the ice right now and I pull out I, I pull out my trumpet case and I open it up they think I'm going to pull my trumpet out and I pull out some cologne and I walk up to the mic and I, I spray myself and I say yeah uh, let me tell you guys something. First thing you need to know about getting the gig <laughs> is always carry one of these with you <laughs> in your in your case. Right. I was like, because let me tell you something. Body odor is, is a surefire way to to, to not know, get called to back. not get called back. It's a tu- it's a turn off. It's a major turn off. So there you go. Uh, they laughed, and that's kind of how we started the whole bit. And. I've been doing more and more clinics, and I'm talking to the kids about such practical things, because you look across, you look out there, and you're like, man, like nobody's nobody's really telling them what the where real, it's at. The real skinny is. It's so funny. That's the number six health and lifestyle. Number seven is you know rules of the road and and tour essentials. Speak on the 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 essentials, like you said. Some of the things that well, right out people the take gate, for granted. You gotta right out the gate. You gotta think about like how people perceive you. You know, mm-hmm. no matter what you do, you're an inter- you're an entertainment. You're in the entertainment world. Mm-hmm. Even if you're just like just a sound guy or a monitor guy or grip or something, it's like you know the artists they want to they want to be around confident. Um, aesthetically look good good looking people you know and so it will only behoove you to take care of yourself and be presentable and to dress accordingly um, and to smell accordingly to carry yourself posture I talk about posture a lot man with kids because I was late to the game with posture and you know my daughters are like they struggle with that I talk to them about it a lot it's important to uh, to address that. So many people miss the boat on that. And as a trumpet player, you would think that I would um, be on top of that game, but it's taken me a long time to really to really be consistent with posture. Mm. And uh, it's you know I work at home. It's easy for me to just get real relaxed in my my relaxing comfy chair and and just chill and stuff. But I'm to really play correctly and to really get the most out of my sound and. To, to, to do this thing efficiently, I need to be aligned. I need to really, right. it's best if I'm standing. That's right. But um, if I'm going to sit, I have my, my, my trumpet guru, I was just talking to him earlier today about this. He was like, if you're going to sit, dude, like you've got, your back has got to be straight. You get the same feeling as when you're standing. More than just affecting your playing is, you know, it affects the way people perceive you. So I was talking to the kids about how, you know, think about when you're on stage, think about what, what, are you, what am I doing with my hands? To, to, for the singers mm-hmm. you open the door and you walk into a room That's right. what are you doing what kind of energy are you, are you putting out everybody's looking at you who's this right. person are they comfortable in their skin or are they really nervous to be here and meet everybody or did you just have an argument with someone before you came in and you brought that negative <laughs> negative energy, energy. Right? that's great how about that that's but the I, worst. To, I told the kids while I'm talking to them like this and I'm pretty yeah. I'm pretty good at it now I'm like yeah. more comfortable I tell them uh, I haven't always been this you know <laughs> extroverted like it's in me obviously you see it now I said but this is something I've worked on right you know and I continue to work on that's the truth and then don't even get me started you go and get into people skills you gotta be somebody that people wanna be around learn I tell them learn a few jokes (laughs) learn some jokes like the mood just have fun yeah and listen and talk about listening listen when people talk listen and stop talking about yourself 
Man, that's so important. Allow people to talk about themselves and they'll love you forever. A lot of people, I think, and I'm sure we've fallen in this trap, you know, we're younger especially, we think that that our talent alone is somehow going to translate to success. Mm. Well, I don't really care what people think of me and I don't really care. I don't really want to be liked. I just want them to like my playing and if I'm good enough and I am yeah. then uh, or at least I think I am then fuck everything else then fuck everything else and, and I fell into that trap at one point yeah of course we all we, we all, all have do. that so I think it's it's important to to uh, to acknowledge that and right. and to to be able to try to work on these other things that are absolute because if you look at the game man there's not to name any names but there's so many people out there that let's just say that are not necessarily the most qualified but they're winning 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 left and right and you have to sit back and go well what is it about that dude like I would never call him because I can't stand the way he plays but have a conversation with that person you probably learn a lot if, if, if someone isn't the greatest player but they're super winning I guarantee you they have an awesome personality awesome personality and they know how to win people over and their playing is just good enough to <laughs> fake out the, mo- the majority <laughs> good enough to fake only, only the, the cats the real cats would know the difference speak real quick before we get this little jam going on studio etiquette if you get called in by a producer and you're a musician I don't care what instrument you play how to know your place, when and where to speak up, and et cetera. The best thing is just to fill it, fill it out, you know, because um, every producer is different. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's best it's best to um, to only say what is necessary. Never say more than is necessary. Mm-hmm. And so, when you have something to say, don't just start talking. Like, think about the fewest words you can use. Because everything in the studio is about time, right? So think about the, f- the the most simplest way you can you can say that, um, and also think about don't be real dogmatic about um, we should do this, mm-hmm. or I um, I really think we should do this or whatever. You're not the producer. Bring it in a way. Uh, I usually bring it in a way. There's a question. Um, what do you think about if we did this? Um, um, Brilliant technique. What if we try, you know? Yes. Or if you're telling somebody too, like um, you're telling somebody uh, to do something, whether you're the producer or not. I learned this in, from a good buddy of mine, uh, Joel Mott, back when I was in, in college. He would say things to us. He was our he was the prof. I was the student. And he would say things to us like, "You might try." Hmm. <laughs> He would Excellent. open. He would open with "You might try" all the time. That's that's some brilliant psychology right there. Yeah, and it's gentle. It's not so overt. Even with a producer, I might not might not say "You might try," but I would I would I would keep it more in in a, in a suggestive question, mm-hmm. but not too annoyingly suggestive. Right. And I, and and then I would just read read him, and if he's digging your input, and then then feel a little free to do a little more, but. If 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 he's not, then shut up. <laughs> Listen, That's right. you know it's just a you want to you want you want to be um, valuable and you want to be able to contribute, mm-hmm. but um, you got to walk the fine line because a lot of the producers, the egos are just out the even even the nice ones. You know mm-hmm. you don't want to you don't want to annoy them. <laughs> I have to say you exemplify these techniques really well because we work together in, yeah. these, in various settings. Yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I've had the pleasure of, uh, of benefiting from your suggestions yeah, as a producer or a music director. Likewise, you know? man. Likewise. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, last thing in this, talk about ears. One of the things that frustrates me today, especially today, look, I might sound a little old school, but especially in today's mega chops on steroids-driven society and culture <laughs> that YouTube and, and Instagram have curated for us. I love it. Okay, I love chops. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a time and place. Talk about years. I feel like a lot of the cats are failing to listening to listen to their bandmates during a performance or a recording, and they're just so consumed with what they're doing. So how have you developed the ability, your ears and your awareness to really listen and, and be part of you? Know, although, as a horn player in a section, you have, that's one of the most. Well, 
Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. You know, I I have experience in playing in orchestras and concert bands, and I think... Most musicians that have that experience uh, usually have a better a better sense of how to be an ensemble player, mm. and and also I've always been a big fan of songs, so to me like I'm a, I love lyrics and I love mm-hmm. you know I love the song the the, the story and the the composition, so like I want to tell the story the best way I can, so my ear won't let me do something that's that's distasteful um, because for me even if I'm improvising I'm I'm arranging you're still zoomed out yeah. far enough that you can look down on the whole as a, yeah. as, a, as a united piece I'm not gonna just do something that doesn't vibe with what what's already happening so you know that's what I think it's important to play in, in an ensemble, even if you're a rhythm section player, to really pay attention to to rhythm sections that play like an orchestra, you know? I mean, Motown, you know? The youngsters today, man, they just need they need to um, to hear the skinny from the old farts like us, and, and they need to know that um, while it's, it's great to be able to fly on your instrument, Drummer, the only people that care about drum chop stuff are drummers. Are dr- other drummers. And other drummers aren't going to get you the, any gigs. They're not going to get you the gig. Because they're trying to keep the gig for themselves. It's like, oh, it's, it's, there's a million trumpet players that can play things on a trumpet I'll never play. Yeah, yes. There's guys I, that can play circles around me. They can play higher than me mm-hmm. by three octaves. They got more chops, more. They can play louder. They can play faster. They, you know, they can do stuff that I can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, they can play better in tune than me. They miss less notes than me. Mm-hmm. Like just way better trumpet players. Mm-hmm. So I scratch you. my head and I'm like, why yeah. am I getting the call? I'm not. I'm not half as good as some of these guys. But I've got the ideas as well as the the style and the nuance that I've, you know, kind of coined my own my own sound. And so that's why I get the call. That's it. And you have a unique voice that you've established. That's it, man. You know, and I think that's what everybody should be going for on in, in their own way is like, you know, take all your, your influences and put them together and just keep on developing a sound that is you. Mm-hmm. And once you recognize it, and you listen to other people because they'll tell you too and people will respond. Go go in that direction, and, That's right. and go. And you can be broad, but you you want to have a direction. Some people like they can mimic anybody, but they still don't have like a sound. Most of us aren't really doing anything all that revolutionary. Like most of the music, um, there's just there's been so many greats before us. There's been so mm-hmm. much great music before us. Mm-hmm. It's important to like really really understand how small we are in the universe of music even you know i was late to that game you know i was always the best musician around me you know um and i'm not saying that prideful it's just that i I wasn't around great musicians not until um not great great ones not 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 like all the way around great like they may be good like at execution but they had no soul Mm -hmm. or they had you know this and that they had they could do this one thing really well read really well can't yeah yeah yeah. they play jazz they could play jazz you know play R&B but can't play rock yeah and I moved to Dallas and I met these cats that were just like next level you know their yeah. time their yes. concept of time their ability to stretch time mm-hmm. and uh, their the afrocentricness of that and mm-hmm. that african you know african influence and rhythmic influence absolutely yeah, and then all the gospel and all the harmony and then all the the uh, just the the emotion uh-huh. the, way, the way they would emote when they would solo and the blues in that texas yeah yeah and it was just that was next level for me so i but i i chose to surround myself around those guys, I found out where they were playing. I would show up. That's right. Whether they let me play or not, I was there. 
I was I was um, just geeking out, just, just soaking it in, soaking it in, and I I would go, you know, I remember with Bobby Sparks, I I called him up one day and was like, hey man, I know you don't know me that well, I'm that trumpet player that shows up, but I just want to buy your lunch. Can I yeah. buy your lunch? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, sure. And we all went out to to Cracker Barrel. Me and my buddy, we bought Bobby Sparks lunch, and we sat there and talked to him, and he talked to us about how he wanted to do a hip hop um, orchestra one day. And so, uh, and the next thing I did was I started hiring these guys. I started hiring like all my my local heroes in town that I was hearing. It's another great method. Yeah, man. hire them, get yes. get a gig, and then hire all the cats you want to network with. You want to play with, and you then work play with. your ass, ass off, and, and be show real cool. that you can lead, and, yeah. and you could and be real cool position and be cool. As, yeah. And be real humble and That's grateful right. that they're there, right. and pay them as well as you can. Even if you make no money, like that's the best investment you can do. And then watch the opportunities well, grow. Last thing, tell me about Filthy. That's all I want to know about now. What's on the docket for Filthy, your band? As Filthy the artist, what are you guys doing? Okay, I know well, your wife sings with you. She's got a beautiful mm-hmm. voice. Mm-hmm. So tell me more about what you guys are doing. So we just released our record last summer. It's called Party Crashers. I love um, it, by the way. So you can, and you're on it. <laughs> I know. Um, you can, Not uh, just because I'm on it. It's just a badass album. Man, I got, I got the vinyl here. I got to show it to you. Oh, so, I got to see that. Um, so um, we just released the record. You can stream it everywhere. We just got vinyls in as well. Um, so that's Party Crashers record. Really, you can get the really vinyl on your website? You can get it on uh, You can get it on our Bandcamp, or you okay. can also get it at Pledge Music if you search for Filthy with the PH. Great. The next thing we have, we just got asked to headline at the Asian American Awards here in L.A. Uh, it's a, it's an Asian American Award show for Asian celebrities. We're That's gonna headline with killer. Judith Hill. It's a beautiful opportunity. Um, we've been traveling a lot. Um, with Judith Hill, you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's another fantastic. Yeah, artist, incredible. Yeah. Another prince, Absolutely. prince uh, legend. So, um, uh, what else we got going uh, in at Nam? We're doing a couple of shows at Nam. We're gonna do a show with Eden Nielsen. And we're also doing a, a thing at uh, TJ uh, TJ Schmitz on the 26th of January for Nam, um, and then uh, we're just gonna I'm gonna start working on another record. I've been writing a bunch of stuff, Great. and uh, I, I don't I don't want to uh, I just want to keep writing and just take my time. I don't. At first, I was thinking I'm just gonna hammer. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit this thing. I'm gonna get it done as quick as possible and get it out. Right. But now I'm uh, I'm like eh, just take your time and let it come organically and naturally. Just I write. And pick the best songs and let it grow. Writing. Yeah. That wraps another episode of the Career Musician Podcast with Philip Filthy Lassiter. Don't forget to check Filthy out at philiplassiter.com. P-H-I-L, it's just one L, I-P-L-A-S-S-I-T-E-R.com. Thank you for checking out the Career Musician Podcast. Be sure to like, stream, download, love, share, subscribe, leave a review on Apple iTunes Podcasts. Signing out for the Career Musician Nomad. Until next time. If you enjoyed today's podcast, subscribe at nomadsplace.com. I'm just a nomad, nowhere man. Writing the songs in this one man band. A nomad. Sometimes
Nomad here, host and creator of the Career Musician Podcast, wanting to tell you all about PantheonPodcast.com network. I am a part of this collective that is solely music-based podcasts. And guess what? It is the only one of its kind on the globe so far. It is a collective of an independent network of podcasts all based on music, which dig into the culture, technology, history, and everything else you can imagine that has to do with music. Thank you so much for listening, and be sure to check us out at PantheonPodcasts.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.